Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 278 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story is from Glasgow and we return to one of our common themes. How we perceive people and their lives and just how different this can be from the reality. Before we begin, as always, thank you to all my supporters at Patreon but especially the new members of this community. That's Ian McCarran, Pam Green, Tim Berry, Craig Stevens, Sharon Needham, and to Flaming June, who has increased her level of support. Thank you all so much. It is really, really appreciated. Fancy some free wine? I bet you do. Well, as we head towards spring, it's the perfect time to try your new favourite wine club, Wine 52, for free. All you need to do is go to www.wine52.com slash truecrime and cover the postage costs of £5.95 and you'll get three bottles delivered to your door. I'm a huge fan, I really am, and I know that you will be too. Wine52 is a discovery club, all about showcasing the very best wine from a different region each and every month. This month, the wine odyssey takes us to the stunning north of Portugal. There's a gorgeous white wine made from a blend of local grape varieties and a vibrant medium-bodied red. So no more getting any old wine from the garage at the last minute. Get some really, really good stuff for free. And whatever is your favourite wine, Wine52 can help. Choose either a mixture, red-only or white-only case. Also included is Gluck magazine, which delves into each region's wine culture and two tasty snacks as well. After you've got your free case, you'll join the monthly wine club and there is no minimum commitment. You really can't go wrong as it's straightforward to pause or cancel at any time. So that's www.wine52.com slash truecrime to claim your free case today. I'm delighted that Noom is sponsoring this podcast. Living a healthier lifestyle means building new habits. But doing this before you change your mindset, the results, as we know, they just don't last. I remember my soup diet, not fondly, I may say. It was just totally unrealistic. When losing weight, you need something you can stick with long term. And with Noom's psychology-based approach, you'll change your relationship with food for a healthier, more sustainable balance. With Noom, I'm working to get healthier, ready for CrimeCon in the summer, and other events too. And Noom is helping me understand that if I make some poor decisions earlier in the day, the whole day doesn't have to be a write-off. And part of why Noom works for me is that I only need a daily 10-minute check-in. I mean, we're all busy, right? And I reckon this is a big reason why 80% of Noom users finish the programme and over 60% 
have stuck with their goals for at least a year. So lose the weight for good. Sign up for your trial at noom, that's N-O-O-M, dot com slash U-K-T-C-Pod. That's noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash U-K-T-C-Pod. So let's set some context of our guest the month and year game. Top of the UK and US chart was the much-missed Mr. Loaf, with I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. In Australia, the best-selling album this year was Whitney, with the soundtrack to The Bodyguard. In the news this month, the star of the recent Borat film, Rudy Giuliani, won the New York mayoral election. Evander Holyfield beat Riddick Bowe in 12 rounds to win the heavyweight boxing title. The late Graham Taylor resigned as manager of the England football team after three years in charge after the 7-1 victory over San Marino. And this was the month that saw the tragedy that was the M40 minibus crash. In the early hours of the morning, 10 children and a woman teacher from Hagley RC High School in Worcestershire were killed in a minibus crash on the M40 motorway near Warwick. An 11th child died in hospital several hours later and a 12th as a result of their injuries on the following day, leaving just two girls surviving. Did you guess the month and year? It was November 1993. It was just another normal shout-out for the Strathclyde Fire Brigade, called out to a house fire where the neighbour had reported the smell of smoke. When they arrived at the flat just northwest of Glasgow city centre, it was a truly terrible scene. In the flat was a dead man who'd been strangled with a belt and a tie, and a champagne bottle had been smashed over his head. In fact, his head had suffered so many injuries, it was bordering on being unrecognisable. Later, a lack of smoke inhalation would show that he was dead before the fire had started and the fire had been set in an unsuccessful attempt to destroy evidence. Shortly after, news began to reach the media that the man who'd been murdered was 34-year-old lawyer Marshall Stormonth, a talented man who seemingly had the world at his feet at the time of his untimely death. Originally from Oban in the Western Highlands, he went to university in Edinburgh, where he specialised in criminal law. But eschewing the big bucks offered by the private law firms, who tended to defend those who could afford their services, instead, he joined the Procurator Fiscal Service. His first posting in 1989 was the Hamilton Sheriff Court, and three years later, he moved to Glasgow Sheriff Court. Marshall was already making quite a reputation for himself of his impressive work, and he was one of the youngest deputy fiscals in Scotland. As well as being a top performer at his job, Marshall was a popular guy and had a busy social life with a particular passion for Gaelic music and culture. He was a wonderful singer, and while still a student in the 80s, he was a co-founder of Lothian Gaelic Choir. In 1990, He founded a folk group which played at the Edinburgh Festival and right up until his death he belonged to the Glasgow Phoenix Choir. 
1993, he won a gold medal at the National Mod, which is, I've heard, a little like the Gaelic Olympics. Detectives could see no reason why he was murdered. Was it a robbery gone wrong? Was he killed by someone he knew? They just weren't sure. There was no sign of a break-in at his house, so it seemed that Marshall had let in his killer or killers. Detectives looked more closely the night before his death. The evening of the 16th of November 1993 seemed to be just a normal night. Marshall had spent the evening with two fellow lawyers in the Tron Theatre Bar in Glasgow City Centre. It's an old church converted into a theatre, restaurant and a bar. The three had stayed for dinner and then had some more drinks as they talked about the case they'd been involved with that day. One of the lawyers told police, It was just a normal after-work occasion. I'd never met Mr Stormont prior to this case, but I found him a down-to-earth pleasant man and very good company. We left the Tron at about 11.30pm and I understood that Mr Stormont was going to get a taxi home. There was nothing untoward about his behaviour. He was neither up nor down. But detectives soon discovered that Marshall had not taken a taxi home that night. He had driven his own Renault 5 car and had been seen stopping in Kelvin Way near Kelvin Grove Park at about 11.30pm that night. This was important as Kelvin Grove Park and the Kelvin Walkway were known as places in the city where gay men would cruise for casual pickups. And the police investigation immediately focused on two brothers who were known to spend a lot of time in the area where they were believed to work as male sex workers. Except they were posing as sex workers, but were in fact enticing men with the offer of sex before robbing them. Stephen Ryan was 20 and his younger brother Dean was 17 but looked a good couple of years younger. They were poorly educated, with very limited prospects and had not been very successful so far with burglary and muggings before they settled on their current way of making money. It was easy for them as they knew that many of the men who bought their services or tried to buy their services would be married or have a partner and would not go to the police to report a crime. The younger brother Dean hung out where the older men tended to go by as the brothers knew he'd be seen as very attractive by many. When some innocent man approached him and asked if he was looking for business, he would take them to a dark part of the park. But before anything happened, his older Brian Ryan would turn up and act immediately very aggressively, saying that his brother was just 15 years old and so underage, and that the man would be in some serious trouble unless he gave them their money and other possessions. Sometimes the brothers would give the men a punch or two, but usually just the threat of violence was enough to scare the man into passing over money or watch or any of his other possessions just so he could make a quick exit from the situation. And the more this ruse worked for the brothers, the more they told their friends how they actively hated gay men, especially those who thought that they were gay themselves. Sadly, as we know, such attacks have been going on for, wow, 
too many years and still continue to this day. So Head Marshall met Stephen and Dean Ryan on the evening of his death. Friends of the Ryan brothers told detectives that this is exactly what had happened. When Marshall had stopped his car, the brothers had a replica firearm and they forced Marshall to take them to his home. Once there, they struck him on the head with a champagne bottle, placed ligatures around his neck, bound his wrists and ankles, and then when Marshall lay dead, they started the fire in an attempt to destroy the evidence. Two witnesses came forward, told detectives how Stephen Ryan had admitted the murder to them and showed absolutely no remorse for it. Again, just how often do we hear on this podcast that people who have committed a serious crime are unable to keep what has happened to themselves? One of these witnesses even told how Ryan had showed him exactly how he had killed Marshall with his tie and belt. But this wasn't enough for detectives and they needed more. But now they were certain they had found the men that had killed Marshall, they also managed to find other evidence. It transpired the brothers had stolen Marshall's bank card and tried to withdraw cash from a nearby Bank of Scotland ATM shortly after midnight, but on three occasions they didn't manage to use the correct passcode, and so the card was of course retained by the bank. This means that Marshall was dead under an hour after leaving the Tron with his colleagues. But then a couple of hours after the failed ATM attempt, at about 2.15am, one of the brothers phoned several local newspapers and eventually spoke to a journalist from the Glasgow Herald, saying he wanted to tip him off about the murder of Marshall Stormouth from the Procurator Fiscal's office. He told the journalist, he has picked up a boy and he has murdered him and he has burned him. When the journalist asked the name of the caller, he told him he was called Mr Tomkins. Now one of the brothers, Dean Ryan, was actually a police informer and he used the name Tomkins as a cover. And the backstory to this was that Stephen Ryan had a short spell working as a security guard for security guard services, where as part of his duties, he looked after a garage called Tomkins Brothers. Once again, master criminals they weren't. Fibres found on Marshall's trousers, car and a pillow matched a pair of red jeans which were owned by Dean Ryan. Dean Ryan had also been careless with fingerprints which had been found both inside and outside the flat and with this, detectives had enough to charge the two brothers and take them to trial. At the start of proceedings at Glasgow High Court in March 1994, aware of some of the sensitivities for the vital witnesses, the judge took the unusual step of asking the many journalists covering the case not to publish the names of the men prepared to give evidence about being in Kelvin Grove Park on the night of the murder. The brothers argued that they were innocent, claiming they were heroes as they desperately tried to help Marshall when they saw him being attacked. But the story was of course absurd and they were found guilty. Stephen was sentenced to life in prison and Dean, because of his age, had no limit put on his time. 
But initially, rather than jail, they went to Carstairs Mental Hospital for assessment until psychiatrists deemed them well enough for jail. Although the case was shocking to the general public and very high profile at the time, not much was heard about either brother until 2003, about 10 years later, when Stephen Ryan, now at prison in Edinburgh, decided not to return to prison after a work placement on the Training for Freedom programme. A month later, he handed himself into authorities, and prison officials were surprised why he would think about disappearing for a month when he was so close to release, so close to freedom. Was he maybe scared of this freedom being released into the world again? But no, it turned out he was scared of some of the other prisoners who threatened him that if he did not come back from his day trip without drugs, they were going to beat him up. Let's fast forward another 10 years or so to 2014. And Stephen Ryan, who was now only 43, was let out of prison. And 11 months later, approaching midnight on the 20th of December, he attacked a complete stranger, stabbing 65-year-old Gordon Murphy 15 times with a scissor blade in a frenzied, unprovoked attack on Gordon's doorstep in Govan Hill, Glasgow. Gordon died after one of the stab wounds struck his heart. Paul Gordon had survived throat cancer and had recently begun a relationship with a woman from Ireland who'd been planning to join him for that Christmas. He lived alone and was employed by G4S as a security guard. He'd been described as a quiet, unassuming man who kept himself to himself and enjoyed a pint with his close friends. But with echoes of his previous defence, Ryan denied this latest murder, claiming he'd once again been a good Samaritan. By coming to Gordon's aid after he'd been set upon by mystery attackers who were never traced, obviously. I'm afraid the details of this story are pretty depressing. Ryan had been walking in the streets close to where he lived with his girlfriend Claire. Despite arguing earlier they were heading off to a bar, before changing their mind again and heading home. Then Ryan suddenly told Claire to hold on as he quickly crossed the road towards Gordon's house. He didn't know Gordon. She told how Ryan was soon in a scuffle with a man saying, the guy was not putting up much of a fight. Stephen was attacking him. I didn't know at the time that Stephen had obviously stabbed him. I did see blood. She was hysterical. She ran over, noting he had blood on him and he seemed that he was in pain. She called 999 from Ryan's phone and Ryan also spoke on the phone to the operator. But rather than wait for the emergency services, they headed off to get some crack cocaine. Just pausing at the 4th and Clyde Canal for Ryan to get rid of the murder weapon. Asked about the crack cocaine, Ryan said, I quote, is increased sexual prowess, adding, that's why I took it. Ryan was traced by the police from his phone, which had been used to dial 999. All that time in prison? Anyway, (laughs) what can I say? He told detectives he'd noticed a fight as he walked past with his girlfriend, which left a man slumped against a hedge. Ryan said, I bent down and asked, was he okay? 
I could see a lot of blood on his chest. I kind of panicked. Of course, Stephen Ryan was once again found guilty of murder. The judge ordered he should serve a minimum 25 years as he was given a second life sentence. Describing the barbarity of his latest crime, he told Ryan, it may be that you will never be released. So that's Stephen Ryan, and what about his younger brother Dean? In late 2021, I read that Dean, now 45, had been turned down by the Parole Board of Scotland because he was still considered a danger to the public. He tried to get that decision reversed at a judicial review at the Court of Session in Edinburgh, despite the fact he'd already been paroled twice and re-offended on both occasions. On the first time, he was convicted of a serious dishonesty offence, and the second time, it was sexual offences against two women. Speaking after this attempt to get parole, Marshall's cousin, Eileen, said she was appalled that either of the brothers were ever released and believed both of them should stay in prison for the rest of their lives. She told the Daily Record, Marshall and I were very close. I wrote to the parole board in 2003 to say, do not ever release them, and I'll be doing that again. Dean Ryan and his brother will always be a grave and serious danger to the public. They've never shown any remorse for their crimes. They actively bragged about killing Marshall, and they are fundamentally violent and dangerous people. If they are not psychopaths, then I don't know what the definition would be. They will never, ever contribute anything positively to society. I remember their dad, I remember their father apologising to one of my uncles at the trial and saying they'd not been brought up to be like this. The two brothers are clearly not rehabilitated and neither Dean or Stephen Ryan should ever have been allowed out. Let me finish by quoting a piece from a very insightful article about this story by Norman Sylvester in the Glasgow Times newspaper. He said, Almost 30 years later, there are still mysteries over Marshall's death, including his movements on the night he left the theatre bar. Had he met one of the Ryan brothers on previous occasions, or even both of them? Did they set out that night to find a gay man to rob? Was it a genuine sex pickup which somehow turned out wrong? There was never anything to suggest in court that the procurator fiscal had actually solicited sex from the brothers in the park. His presence on Kelvin Way could have been completely innocent, as it was after all on his way home. Another theory is that Marshall had encountered one or both of the brothers in the Tron bar itself. Stephen Ryan later told one witness that he'd met Marshall in a bar earlier that evening. He then quotes Dominic D'Angelo, then editor of the magazine Gay Scotland, who said at the time, The issue is not that he was a procurator fiscal who was gay. It is that he was an ordinary man who met someone who was willing to take advantage of him with fatal consequences. So what do you make of what we've heard today? I know there's a tendency in true crime podcasts to talk about how talented and how popular a victim was. But in the case of Marshall Stormont, it was true. Over a thousand people attended his funeral. We will never know for sure what happened that night, 
that brought him into the path of the brothers. But what we do know for certain is that Marshall's life of real promise was snuffed out by the Ryan brothers when Marshall was only 34 and had so much more to give. And Gordon Murphy too lost his life at the hands of Stephen Ryan, another innocent man killed for no reason. I think in this case it's hard to disagree with Marshall's cover Aileen, that the Ryan brothers can't be rehabilitated and should spend the rest of their miserable lives behind bars. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this show or any aspects of UK true crime, please head to the Facebook group where nearly 80,000 of us discuss all things UK true crime 24-7. Why don't you come and join us? And to keep this podcast coming every week, as if you would ever, ever want it to end, join my community at patreon.com slash UK true crime as well as the bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Remember, with every annual subscription, for as little as £17 a year, I will send you a signed copy of my book on Scottish serial killer Angus Sinclair. So that's all for me for another week. I will speak to you again on Tuesday. But until then, despite all the others, I know, I know, I know. Look, they aren't like you and me, right? Please stay classy. Cheerio for now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.